Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Central Texas Living with Ann Harder. Hello, everybody. I'm Ann Harder. Welcome to Central Texas Living, the podcast. 43 years ago, a couple of fossil and arrowhead hunters, Paul Barron and Eddie Bufkin, found a bone in a ravine near the Bosque River. They took it to Baylor, and an expert confirmed it was, in fact, the femur of a Colombian mammoth. That discovery led to the unearthing of a unique group of fossils and the establishment of a new national monument in Waco. Joining me now is Reagan King, who is site director for the Waco Mammoth National Monument. It is so good to have you here. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Oh, Reagan, I had the privilege of coming to visit the Waco Mammoth National Monument and shoot a segment for Traveling Texas with Ann Harder on KXXV. And it, I, I said these have kind of become my bucket list checkoff <laughs> of things that I that I wanted to do, haven't had time to do it for what, whatever reason. And uh, I have reported a million stories, I think, on the mammoth side, on the very, on the beginning, I mean, from the get-go, and yet I hadn't been out there. And so... <laughs> It was so amazing to get to come and see what all has happened. Uh, tell me, what is it about this this whole work that that intrigues you the most? My job? <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those lucky people who loves my job, yeah. and I'm able to use the degrees I got in college to do my job. I actually went to the Smithsonian Museum as a seventh grader. And fell in love. And of course, the Natural History Museum, the first thing you see is the world's largest taxidermy elephant. Off to the left, the Hall of Fossils. Off to the right, Hall of Mammals. Well, I liked furry critters, so I went to the Hall of Mammals, and a docent had a like a skin out for me to, to for the you know visitors to look at. And I reached to touch it, and she kind of smacked <gasps> my hand and said, Don't you touch. Don't touch. Mm. Only the people who work here get to touch these things. I said, ah, that's it. <laughs> then that's what I'm going to do. I want to work at a museum. Yep. Yeah. So I have, this is just luck that I found this job and also a lot of good fortune that it happens to be about mammals, specifically elephants, right here in Waco. I did not come to Waco just for this job. I just got very, very lucky. Well, the fact that this is a nursery herd, Mm -hmm. which is, it makes it unique. 
because, um, I mean, there are other mammoth sites. I mean, Lubbock has, I think, yep. mammoth fossils. Yep. And, of course, New Mexico mm-hmm. and Nevada, I think, you know, in the kind of California, a couple of sites. But but this one is unique. This one is. And it's funny you said Lubbock because they installed their mammoth statues the year after I left grad school there. Oh, so, so you were, you were yes. at Tech. Okay. <laughs> So our nursery herd is unusual in that it is the only nursery herd of Colombian mammoths in North America. Of course, Colombian mammoths only exist in North America, so that, you know, is true. However, two nursery herds of woolly mammoths were discovered in Serbia and Siberia, I believe. Mm. But that was after our discovery in 78. So we're still first. We're still the only Colombian mammoth nursery herd. But really, it's the level of preservation which is what makes it unusual. The entire herd, that's moms and babies together, died at the same time and were covered most likely by the the back flooding of the Bosque River. And it was fairly simultaneous because we have lots of different ages. Our matriarch, that's like the grandma of the herd, she was probably in her 50s. Mm. And we have young mammoths, you know, around five, six years old possibly. And... That's much like a modern-day elephant herd. Mm -hmm. And no other fossil site has this assemblage, this group of mammoths that basically prove that mammoths acted like modern-day elephants, the way we watch those herds function. Those are moms and babies, and we have that here. So it teaches us how these animals interacted with each other and how they interacted with their environment. Fossils are found all the time. Mammoth fossils are not uncommon in North America, Usually it's just a tooth or a tusk, Mm -hmm. but we just have the right set of circumstances right here in this little spot in Waco for the really amazing preservation. It didn't didn't happen just once either. Right. It was a dramatic Mm -hmm. event that that happened that killed all of these animals at one time. It had to have been. Mm -hmm. It's such a large group. That first, uh, first round of excavation, I'd say, throughout the 80s actively and part of the 90s um, was 16 mammoths. And mammoths are not small critters. <laughs> no. So, uh, Baylor said every time they go out there, they were finding a new mammoth. Yeah. So well, a lot I had, of bones. had a chance to, uh, to mm-hmm. visit with uh, your paleontologist. Yes. And uh, that, that's another rather unique thing in that there are only, I think, three in the nation. There's not that many. A PhD yep. paleontologist, yep. and Waco has one of them. Yes. And uh, she told me that uh, every time it rains <laughs> really hard, she'll go down in that ravine and check right. and see if there are more bones, expo- well, fossils right. exposed. Right. Uh, I think that's remarkable. This is still an active working site. Absolutely. There's no telling what else is out there. We are positive there is more still buried. We're not completely sure the extent within our lands. We have 107 acres, and only well less than an acre has been dug up. We have found 24 mammoths, three camels, a cat, uh, a, a horse, a bison, and a saber-toothed cat. So we have so much fossil right in, and it's most of what is, is still in the ground is covered up. But you're right, we have an outdoor area too where the water is always running on rainy, rainy days in Mm -hmm. Texas. It's all going to flow into the Bosque River downhill, and we have to go check the ravine. You never know what's going to wash out. That's actually how we were discovered. Bones were washed out. How long have you been with the Mammoth site? This will be my ninth year. I was going to say, you are not a newcomer. No. 
to Central Texas and to this whole work. Uh, but as you know, I said at the beginning, 43 years ago, the first discovery mm-hmm. was made. Let's go back to that um, and talk a little bit about <laughs> these two, two guys. And um, what they saw exposed, they first thought was a human skull. Well, yes. Um, that's probably why they reported their find. Oh, most, really? Yeah, most people, when they find fossils, they either leave it or take it home and kind of forget about it. Mm-hmm. But this one really had their attention. And they were, you know, they were a little worried. They said, oh, goodness, we, we need to bring this to somebody's attention. And the femoral head of a mammoth leg bone is about the same size as the top of your head. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they see this and I go, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. what yep. have we got? Yep. Uh, and then I guess as they started digging, then they were really saying, oh my gosh, because it's a huge bone. Right. It right. Was, they knew it wasn't a just a modern day yeah. it, critter. <laughs> something very large that they didn't know about. So they went to the local expert yeah. at the, the Strecker Museum then. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky enough to have known the then director of the Strecker Museum, Calvin Smith, um, I did a student project as an undergrad, and he helped. So David Lentz was the guy that um, identified that bone for Polinetti. Mm-hmm. Turns out David went through the same museum science program I did at Texas Tech. So, you know, the museum realm, I guess, especially in Texas, I guess we all know each other. That was one of the reasons I was so excited to come to to Waco, was I already had some museum connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. and a, a lot of life is who do you know yeah <laughs> and is familiar with you and right. and i think that's that's great and we were so blessed when we came to shoot the piece mm-hmm. that we were able to go down actually to the dig level that is a rare thing yes. not very many people have gotten to do that and Correct. and it it is just remarkable because the closer you are then you see mm-hmm. just how big these uh, animals were yes uh like a tusk of our male mammoth mm-hmm. that's laying there it's about around as big around as a dinner plate and you just don't understand that when you're standing about 12 feet above it looking down mm-hmm. but one of the neatest things that happened i'd say about two or three years ago is um we got calvin to come back for our anniversary and he went down into the bone bed and it was just so neat Aww. to see him down there again because I've seen all the pictures from the 90s. He was like a kid in a candy shop. He was so excited. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it is still a working site. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, so let's talk a little bit about okay. the work that's that's being done. Um, plaster jackets. What is that? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Tell us what a plaster jacket is. All righty. So imagine walking into a creek bed, seeing a big leg bone, mm-hmm. and it's sitting on the earth. It's very fragile. So the earth is actually supporting it and preventing it from falling apart. Mm -hmm. So what you'll do is excavate, dig the dirt around the sides of it and go down below it, you know, a few inches. And then you'll go over that, including the bone and the dirt on the sides and cover that in burlap with plaster. And it's like making a cast on a broken bone. Mm -hmm. It keeps you from hurting your broken arm, right? Well, that plaster cast keeps those bones from moving around and getting uh, further damage. So once you have it all covered up, you literally pick it up, flip it, cover it up, dirt and all. And then you can transport that back to the museum or to your lab. And, uh, gosh, I believe we had over 90 plaster jackets at some point in storage. Then at the Strecker and then what became the Mayborn Museum. And our paleontologist, those have been 
basically sitting there. Very few had been opened over the years. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the largest parts of her job right now. Our uh, special resource study, whenever we were looking for designation in the Park Service, our special resource study said it would take one person over 20 years to prepare to open up and study and clean all the remains that are in plaster jackets. Hmm. So a continuous working site means you kind of have to judge what you already have out and where your status is on that versus is it is it worth it right now to go get more? I guess that's a good point yeah. because she's got her work cut out for her just she does. with what's at uh, the Mayburn. Yes. Yep. We have just cases and cases of not only plaster jackets, but loose material, lots and lots of loose material. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she gets to study that, look for any kind of um, clues as to which animal it might belong to. And she, she also, that's her research specialty, is looking at these prehistoric Ice Age animals and how they interact with their environment. Mm -hmm. Turns out they ate hackberry. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, they're very they're they're very similar to what we know now. Yeah. Well, and that leads me to the next uh, <laughs> thing I want to talk about. It is a lovely area, 108 acres you have right. of, of woodlands there along the Bosque, um, but you've got some lovely walking paths and other trails. Right. Hiking people can do. I don't. I just think maybe a lot of folks don't realize it's more than just the bones, which right. is. The fossils are, are the thing. That's the main attraction. That's yeah. the main attraction, but it's just a lovely area out there, a picnic area, in the sh and it's all shady. And, um, and I know you've gotten a lot of help from volunteers mm -hmm. from Eagle Scouts. Yes. We have just actually just had, I think, our fourth Eagle Scout project this past, <laughs> uh, past Good spring. Good for them. But, yeah, I mean, any kind of, um, I guess, outdoor activities that can extend a visitor's stay is something that we wanted to to bring to the park after designation. Mm -hmm. Because you're right, we're kind of a one-trick pony. You come to see the fossils and then you leave. You can spend five minutes if you really wanted to jet out of there. Or we would prefer you spend a little longer, talk to the rangers, and, you know, enjoy more uh, of the, the nature of the park because it is beautiful. We are exactly in between the Bosque and the Brazos Rivers. So we have a lot of trees, a lot of water, a lot of wildlife. And those trails that, that our Eagle Scouts have put in help people, you know, discover that. Well, I think it was at the honey locust tree. Mm -hmm. uh, is there still there, you know, specimens of yep. that? They're mm -hmm. still growing like they did, you know, thousands yep. of years ago. We get so many questions about what are those trees with thorns with thorns? You know, mm -hmm. Like the thorns on the honey locust tree will get thorns off of them. <laughs> and they're enormous. And somehow, <laughs> somehow those prehistoric camels ate it. Yes. Yep. <laughs> they were tough. <laughs> Well, it's, in, you know, and you've got, you know, live oak, I think a live oak that was dated to about the time of the Constitution, <laughs> you know, and it, when you you put the historical aspect of what you're what you're looking at, um, and what a great uh, resource for families with kids to kind of help Absolutely. bring bring this aspect of history alive. We enjoy family groups for sure, because, you know, the adults and some of the older kids really will understand fossils. Ice Age fossils, mammoths, but little kids, they think any bone in the ground is a dinosaur. Right. Yeah, dinosaurs died 65 million years ago. Our mammoths died 65,000 years ago, so there's a huge difference. But to see that excitement, we want those kids to grow up to want to protect mm -hmm. fossils like this, but also 
know the importance of protecting the general environment. So the Park Service is primarily about resource protection, but now our entire park is considered a resource. So we try to leave things as pristine as nor- as, as it is right now, mm-hmm. as it was in the past. You've heard a lot of stuff in the news lately about hikers pack it in, pack it out. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Take your trash with you. You can't just toss Please. a banana peel and hope that it decomposes. It's going to yeah. take, you know, five years. It's not quite what you think it is. So pack it in, pack it out. We're teaching kids principles like leave no trace, you know, preservation. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the importance of preserving fossils. Because those fossils will be here long after we're gone. And that's that's our purpose. You have a lot of folks come visit. Mm-hmm. I know the pandemic, you know, has oh. messed everything up. <laughs> And I, I know it had a, had a, an impact on it your um, attendance, but but normally, what do you have? Normally, we get about a hundred thousand guests a year. Wow, which is amazing for That's a tiny great. little park. When we were a city park prior to federal designation, we were getting about twenty thousand visitors a year. Really? So we already were getting visitors from all U.S. states and many foreign countries. I think our yearly record was seventy-two foreign countries in a year. Mm-hmm. But now we're still getting those visitors from all of those places. It's just more of them from all of those places, mm-hmm. tenfold or fivefold more. It's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So that, that National Park Service mm-hmm. designation well, well, is a big deal. Yeah, very much. Uh, so there is a charge to come to see the fossils? There is a charge for the tour, basically mm-hmm. the access to the bone bed because mm-hmm. it's inside that building. And that is right. our primary means of preserving those fossils, mm-hmm. is controlling access and you'll always have a, a, an experienced ranger nearby to help out and explain things. So our ticket prices are $5 or less per person. We really keep it affordable. It's pretty similar to other prices of tours at national parks. Mm-hmm. Um, you you mentioned the park rangers. Mm-hmm. So we had a chance to to visit with uh, Bryson. Right. And uh, he he's just, he was great. I mean, <laughs> really knew his stuff. But re- recently moved here. I yes. mean, hadn't, hasn't been in Central Texas. Right. All that, boy, he, he, knew, he knew everything he needed to know about, yep. Yep. <laughs> about it. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's a great resource mm-hmm. for folks, you know, ask questions. Do you find folks do want to ask questions or they come in and look, go, okay, I, yeah, I see the mammoth there and then leave or how it's really a mix of both and prior to the covid shutdown we were doing only guided tours Mm. so a ranger led guided tour for a group of 20 or so people went with one ranger and they were kind of a captive audience and we always get wonderful reviews Mm -hmm. that was the best tour i ever had so i can admit that i thought the main experience was mostly this amazing tour Mm because all of our tour guides love these bones so much and want to tell you all about them and with the COVID shutdown, after we reopened, we're st- actually still limited in that firsthand um, teaching and interpretation and tour giving, program giving. Mm-hmm. So we're not doing that. And it worried me as, you know, the site manager, I thought, oh, no, these people just aren't going to get the experience that they could have had before. Mm-hmm. But, well, I'll tell you, I was wrong. People still come out of that building and think, oh, my gosh, that was the coolest thing I've seen. And you know, some people will come back and ask questions, but we do have some good museum quality interpretive panels around the park explaining mm-hmm. some stuff. So, right, but yeah. And you, you've also got uh, access to the app, and that's uh, yes, another that's really good new. tour yep. tool for folks. Right. So the National Park Service put out an app, and all units of the National Park Service have 
pages basically in the app and there's mm-hmm. 423 units of the National Park Service. And honestly, we get about visitation about halfway. We we only, you know, yeah, we're doing really well for a tiny park. We're in the 200 range That's as cool. far as rankings, yeah. yep. And we also just did a a virtual tour and that is uh the link is on our NPS National Park Service website. So it's nps.gov/waco. Mm-hmm. Easy to remember. And just scroll on down and there's a, a chance to do what's called a virtual tour where you can click and see up close down in the in the bone bed. And really cool little pop-up menus will give you information about the fossils that you're pointing at. And it's a it's a nice, nice tour. Mm-hmm. And also, a, I think, a way for folks to check off things and kind of be involved in, in their visit when they actually have their yes. on-site visit. Right. Yep. The National Park Service is really good about getting... A full experience, and they really want people to enjoy. Mm-hmm. This is a wonder. People around the world envy you, U.S. citizens because we have the National Park Service. Our parks are iconic, and it's a really good way to get people to go to multiple parks and experience similar things in all of these very different parks. So, mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in fact, we were in Arizona, went to Montezuma's <laughs> Palace, mm-hmm. you know, at, had been there several times yeah. to Sedona, just never taken the time to go. This, you know, last trip we did, and it was wonderful. Yeah. It's just, and it's so, and it's just an easy little loop to walk around. By and, using the app? Well, like, no, no, no. We actually visited, yeah. visited the site. Uh, but yeah, it, the, the National Park Service, I mean, they know what they're doing. They do. Yeah. They got it. They've got it <laughs> done right. Um what do visitors need to know before coming? What do you have any advice? Depends on the time of year. And well, then there's that. Yeah, because Texas heat right now. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and it's very wet. The main thing that people want to know is, is this indoors or outdoors? Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, when you hear you're going to a dig site, a fossil site, you have some imaginations running wild about, you know, dusty hikes off into the, the distance and having to climb and make these difficult, you know, treks and that's just not the case at Waco Mammoth we have two buildings one of which covers the fossils and it's air conditioned and it's only 300 yards apart from the other building yeah it's an easy walk paved trail and you go inside an air conditioned building and get to look down on real fossils it's a it's an easy trip all handicap accessible and we just want you to come, you know, share the wonder of these mammoths with us. Mm-hmm. And if you want to, you know, walk the trails yep. and have a picnic yep. and uh, you can bring your dog, right? Absolutely. Clean up after it. It's, it's very yep. family yep. friendly um, place to go visit right. and hang out and spend some time. Um, and you can say, yes, I have been there. Yep. <laughs> and, Mark that off. And yep. certain, certainly recommend it <laughs> to, uh, to anyone who comes to town. Um this is this is just really a gem for Central Texas. And we are quite well located, too, in, uh, I think, like reference to other national park units in Texas. There are 16, and they're all kind of around the, the edges of Texas, but mm-hmm. we're smack in the middle right. on a well-traveled interstate between two good-sized airports, Dallas and, and Austin. So our, our traffic is, is excellent. We're just super got lucky, I guess, in our location. But I don't know. Would you consider mammoth dying right there? 
lucky who knows well not, not so much for not, them not for them <laughs> not for, them. for us yeah well you know and i remember reporting in 2015 <laughs> when it would yep. receive that congress Huge. said yes mm-hmm. it that was a very big deal uh when that was signed into into law and, and we became a national yes. monument um i think it's kind of remarkable when you think about how many years preceded it that took a long time that it was just like a tent that was covering that and mm-hmm. you know that vandals didn't get in there messed up i mean it's really kind of remarkable it is absolutely a testament to um the mayborn museum the waco yeah. mammoth foundation baylor university the strecker though oh, gosh they did a lot of studying did a lot of preservation and it was it was absolutely kept a secret mm-hmm. was didn't want it to be well known no. yet and for a time um, it was, yeah, like you said, under a tent, surrounded by a chain link fence. And the only way uh, the public could see anything about the Waco Mammoth site was an exhibit at the Mayborn Museum. And that exhibit is still there. Mm-hmm. But that used to be the, the only glimpse into what was going on out there. Um, when the significance of the herd was studied by Calvin Smith, that's about the time all of our thinking heads, you know, here in, in Waco said, hmm. This is this is important. This is scientifically important, and we need to preserve it. Mm-hmm. So the Park Service was called in as a consultant, oh gosh, back in 99, 2000. And, yeah, we, <laughs> it only took about 15 years to get a federal designation. But yeah, it was, it, was, it, was a, it was a long process, yeah. and I have to, we cannot leave without talking about the local support and right. the local group of people that raised a lot of money yes yep. to make this happen yep those those initial partnership mm-hmm. is what makes waco what made waco mammoth and um from sam jack mcglasson who owned the land and donated it to the city to a uh, landowner who let people dig on his land prior to that to a foundation who was able to raise four and a half million dollars that's a lot of money in a town the size of waco when right. you think about it right and the same people that give, they give to everything else Every, in yes. town. It's a it's a relatively small pie. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so the, I just I recall that that was mm-hmm. a very big deal when it they is. were able to get, because you had to have that seed money. I guess it was you had to have a certain amount, right? And everything was built um, per NPS standards, National Park Service standards, yeah. with their consultation. So it's very high quality, and it is ninety nine point nine percent private money out of people's pockets. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> that has happened to us. <laughs> okay. Shut up. <laughs> and that was a very good. In fact, in fact, okay, I th- I'm going to wrap it up now. <laughs> As a matter of fact. Oh, Reagan, it's, it's been so much fun talking to you, you. Uh, about the uh, Waco Mammoth National Monument. Mm-hmm. But I like to end these visits with a questionnaire. It's similar okay. to the one the late great James Lipton used on Inside the Actors Studio. Oh boy, I you that. know about that. <laughs> All right, what's your favorite word? Science. I love science. It means that that's my career. That's my education. That's what I do for other people. I want to teach them very good science. What's your least favorite word? Oh, that's a great question. I would say something like apathy, not caring, mm-hmm. just a, such a negative connotation. Yeah. I don't want that in my life. 
What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Well, creatively, I I'm I have a, a hidden artist inside of me. I've worked actually eight years as a as a self-employed artist. So I love I love local art and I like abstract impressionism. Who knew? Interesting. That makes me happy. <laughs> oh, that is cool. That is cool. Well, what turns you off then spiritually or emotionally or creatively? Dishonesty. I think maybe disloyalty, I think, would be a, a better term. I've been very lucky in my career to have worked for a good length of time everywhere I've worked and had other people around me in my workplaces that feel the same passion and energy for what they do. I've just been so lucky. And so disloyalty, the person that would be like, it's just a job, I'm, you know, six months and I'm out of here. That, that one, that gets me every time. Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 not good. What sound do you love the most? My kids laughing. Of course, that's an easy one. <laughs> I I can't I can't be a luckier person on earth. I have an amazing family. Mm. What is your least favorite sound then? Um, well, as of last night, it's my husband snoring. <laughs> didn't didn't get much sleep last night, honey. I love you. <laughs> Oh, well, I, okay, we'll, 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 leave, we'll leave that there. What, I mean, you, you've done something you always knew yes. you wanted to do since a little girl, but what other profession would you like to try? Ooh, I've always known that there's two, actually. I would be a forensic scientist. Mm. I love forensics. Mm -hmm. Or That's kind of what they're doing now, it is, it in is, a way. Yeah, but I'm talking like the gruesome, you know, crime solving. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. The yucky stuff. Mm -hmm. That intrigues me. Weird. Or a, a Hollywood set designer and decorator. Go figure. Again, I think there's that's a, great. There's a lot of art involved there. Oh yes, and I'm yeah, just, visual, mm -hmm. you know, yep. perceptions of yep. what. Very good. <laughs> what profession do you know you would not want to do? A physicist. <laughs> Well, that's science. That's very that because physics. Um, I, under <laughs> I understand physics. I only say that because the right now the president of our foundation, his in a former life was a demolition physicist, and I always think, boy, I would mess that up. <laughs> and if you do, if you mess that up, that's bad. Yeah, like, that maybe because it would be considered really high pressure. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> random. That's a new one for me on this. I have to say. All right, but the last question: What do you want to hear God say to you as you arrive at the pearly gates? You've done good work. You've made a difference, and you have paid it forward. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, Reagan, thank you so much sure. for spending some time with us today. And uh, anything, how, do, how can folks find the, the monument? Well, we are in the city limits of Waco, despite mm -hmm. what some people think. We are just north, uh, yeah, considered North Waco, 6220 Steinbeck Bend yeah. Drive. Easy, easy to it's get marked there. beautifully. Yep. Or Early you can news. always, you know, go to that old NPS app and they'll, they'll give you directions <laughs> and take you right there. We're open seven days a week, every day, nine to five. We are only closed three days a year, New Year's Day, Christmas Day, Thanksgiving Day. Mm, okay. Very good. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Doing all the good work. Thank you so much, Ray. Thank you for having me. Bye.
Central Texas Living is part of the Rogue Media Network family. Be sure to check out their other shows at RogueMediaNetwork.com. Please rate us five stars on iTunes and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Join us again soon for more Central Texas Living, the podcast. Why am I here? I'm here to be your tour guide through Waco. I'm here to tell you all the goings-on in and around Waco. I'm going to give you the 411 on what's happening, what's going on, and what events you should go to. This is your host, Debbie, signing off. Now that you know, go. Just go, Waco. Are you building a new business while managing a family? Are you tired of trying to balance home and work and everything seems to be coming up short? Then there's a podcast made just for you. Baking Your Business from Scratch is where we create the perfect recipe for building a successful business while managing your home and family with love. Come join us and see for yourself. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.